Sinners and Saints, dust off those horns and halos. It's time for Alec After Dark. Yeah, whatever. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Merry fuckmas to all of you too, sinners and saints and bitches and taints. Welcome to the Grinch Hour. Well, it won't be an hour probably, but you know what? Just go with what I just said. It's fine. As you know, we are staring right now into the death gaze of Christmas, the holiday, the season of giving, and all that bullshit. You're not going to get a lot of that stuff here. I'm not that sentimental. I think you all know that. But I do have a lot of sympathy for many of you, especially those of you in the LGBTQIA community that feels alone this time of year, feels left out. And I want you to know that while I can't be there physically with you, I'm happy that you're listening to me right now and I'll keep you company for just a little while. You know, I said that I sympathize but I probably should have said empathize. And I need to include myself in that category. Now, I have to consider myself lucky that I do have a family and a place I can go to, but do you know how tough it can be when they won't accept you having a partner, a boyfriend, and they don't really want that person to come to the Christmas party and the exchanging of presents and and all the things that go along with the Christmas traditions? For years, when I had a boyfriend, we would all follow our standard rules. They would go to their families. I would go to mine. But everybody else in the family had their kids, their their spouses, their girlfriends and boyfriends. And there I would sit at the end of the couch looking at that screen that's just a, a fake fireplace, you know, with a crackling fire. Maybe being a little bit sentimental. Maybe I'll have that in the background here just for cause and effect. Hopefully it won't cause me to have PTSD, but (laughs) it's one of the toughest times of year for me for that reason that I never got to really have that Christmas the way I wanted. I always have to conform to keep the peace in the family. And trust me, it's just better this way than to have to deal with all the fighting and everything. And it really doesn't matter these days because I don't have a boyfriend. I have no desire to have a boyfriend. So it's not a a subject that comes up anymore. Well, for now, anyway. You know, one of the best things about the gay community is that you can pick your family. The people that you become family with, they're the ones that make it better. My first little circle of friends for Christmas time, we would always make it like the weekend before Christmas or the week before Christmas. If we wanted to, we would exchange gifts or not. It made the rest of the events that was with the family that was intolerant, it made that bearable because you knew that you had these friends, this family, who choose to be with you and choose to accept you for everything that you are. And then you get to see them again after Christmas for New Year's Eve and the celebrations that make it okay. I know lots of people who have stood up for themselves and demanded 
that their partners be included. And I admire that. I really do. But for some people, it is better for them, me, to sometimes just not have to have all this extra drama if it's not going to help anything. It, it won't change anything. If anything, it makes it all worse. My parents are close enough to the end of their lives that it doesn't matter anymore. They know who I am, but they know that I'm not going to ram it down their throats, even though the way I just said that sounds awful. A person you love is not being rammed down their throats, I don't believe, but I think you get what I mean. They would take it as I'm just trying to parade around, show off and all that, which I would because I would be proud of someone that I'm dating and that I care about. If I really wanted to bring them home for Christmas, surely they would know how much I cared for that person. But like we've talked about in the previous episodes, for some people, that doesn't matter. It's all about what the whole community would think. They worry about, well, the neighbor will start whispering and they'll start talking about you and then they'll be talking about all of us and we can't handle that. You go home out of town and we're stuck here. That's how it kind of works. And that sounded like a lot of rambling there, and I apologize for that. Full disclosure here, I am sucking on a peppermint stick. You know, I wish it was something else. But I'm trying to put myself into some sort of festive mood. I do believe food, candy, and cakes and such are one of the best things about the Christmas holiday. But I also have to look forward to a dentist visit, and I'm sure he will not be happy seeing a lot of sugar between my teeth. You know, he is the only man that I don't look forward to to being in my mouth. Funny that. Well, if he was going in dick first instead of metal instruments, it might be different. And I know right now that some of you are saying, Wow, Alan, that was kind of clever, you changing the subject right there. But no, I'll go back to it. I think I can hear you in my head saying, if you don't take your boyfriend to your family's house and try to get them to accept them, then, then I'm living a lie. But am I? Am I living a lie? Was I living a lie? I don't believe that I was. I believe that not telling them, not including them in my life, they're the ones who lose out. In essence, to me, it feels like they're being punished more than I was or am. I don't know, maybe for some time in the future, I'm happy that they know that I'm gay. I don't know that I need them to know anything else about me. It's funny that, well, truth be told, when I came back home after my horrible breakup where I basically had nothing and had to rebuild my life, when I was able to finally leave home that time, when I left, I left. And I would go back and visit, but I have no desire to go back. I have no desire to be close to family members that don't want to be close to me. They don't. I may have uh, mentioned this before. I'm not sure that I have, but several years ago, a younger cousin of mine, very young, he was in his early 20s. There's some controversy over it, but he he died. He died under mysterious circumstances. His funeral, it was just, there's no such thing as a good funeral, but there are some people, a person who is in their 90s or near 100 Yes, it's sad, but you can celebrate their full long life. When a person is cut down in their early 20s, 
there's a tragedy there that adds to the sorrow, the hurt of the situation. And I just remember how horrible that funeral was. One of my aunts, who I had not seen in probably 10 to 15 years at that time, came up to me with tears in her eyes, crying. And she just said to me, Alan, please don't be a stranger. Please come and see us. And I'm like, I just kind of nodded because I knew that she was just in the process of grieving herself and was feeling emotional and probably didn't really mean it. It was under that stress of the moment, the hurt of that moment, that she might have felt a little guilty over how they had treated me over all the years. I knew that, well, her husband, which is my mother's brother, my mother has two older brothers that are still alive. I was told, and I know it's true, that they used to make fun of me when I wasn't around, that they would call me a sissy and things like that. They wouldn't ever say, I don't think they ever said queer or fag or even gay, but they would call me a sissy. I've always known that. And I know that their generation, they did not stick up for me. They probably went along with it. I felt no need to reach out to them. And I especially didn't feel like it was right when we're at a family member's tragic funeral. So I guess I built a little bit more resentment from their behavior. I've got cousins who've got children whose children have children, and I've never met them. I wouldn't recognize them on the street if they were to come by. Now, you might think of that as tragic. I think of that as freedom. Why would I want people to be in my life that don't really want to be in my life? It would be like, does, do we all have those family members that are just, they just live for the drama they love the chaos that they can stir up. Well, I just don't deal with that. I can't handle that. I don't want to handle it. Life is tough enough without dealing with all that bullshit. And now I hear you all saying, well, why do you go at all? And the answer on that one is easy. My nieces and nephews, they're the ones I really go. I can only, I only get to see them around holidays and birthdays. I mean, everybody's got such different schedules and lives in different parts of the state. That's hard. I'm not saying that my, that they would be, they wouldn't, I wouldn't be allowed to see them anytime I wanted to. It's just easier to see them on those birthdays and holidays. That's why I do it. My love for my nephews and nieces. It's the children that I won't have. And let me set the record straight after saying that. I don't want children. I don't. That's just me, though. And I guess you're asking, well, if you were to ever get into a relationship and you get married and your husband wanted to have children, would you change your mind? And the answer would be probably not, <laughs> especially at my age. Yeah, I don't want to be like Tony Randall having uh, a son, a child at age 90. And no, Chadwick, I'm not 90 years old yet. So I guess I've brought up an interesting question, haven't I? Is not telling someone something the same as lying? I'll be interested in hearing your opinions about it. To me, I think it depends on what you're not saying. And I'm sure some of you think that if I had a boyfriend 
and I wasn't telling my parents about it or my whole family, you'd be saying that, well, I'm hurting him, but I don't think so because what's worse is him being totally rejected by all of them when I would be able to go out with them with everybody else I know versus dealing with all that drama. I I think there's a difference in how you look at it. And granted, each person is different too. Maybe he would want, maybe he would demand that I introduce him to my family and stuff and get that taste of rejection and insults and, and things like that, the hostility of it. But I would want to spare him all of that. I feel like I'm protecting a person I love. And it's definitely not the same as like cheating on someone. I think that if you don't tell your partner that you've had an affair, then you are lying. That's my opinion. Now, if you've discussed all that, we've had that discussion before, open relationships and and the, the rules, the ground rules are laid out, so be it. But I think not telling someone that you've murdered someone, I think that would be a lie. Keeping secrets. I think it depends on what the secret is. This is just my opinion. And I am open to all kinds of feedback. So what do you think? Am I a total asshole hypocrite? Or am I just trying to maneuver my way through a really rough situation to where no one has to be hurt any more than they have to be. That's what I think I'm doing. Feel free to punch me in the head when you see me next time. What's the hill saying? Opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. And that's true in this situation as well. And that's why I'm not offering advice. I'm offering an opinion. And I think we need to start really considering that again. People view things differently. It doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. It means that it's working in that situation. And there's nothing wrong with that. So stop browbeating people on certain things that you think are absolutely right when you could be absolutely wrong in a majority of situations. Only a person can know themselves what is right for them and what could be wrong. I truly believe that. Now, do, do, am I saying that you should stay in the closet for the rest of your life? I'm not saying that. I'm saying you need to do what's good for you. I really couldn't hide my coming out of the closet. <laughs> I'm not effeminate necessarily, but I have reactions and I have a wit that comes off as being part of a gay personality. So there you have it. I think if you're from the generation, from like my generation and older, where you've had to be on guard, you had to worry what people in power could do to you. You had to worry about losing your job or being ostracized at school. It's just easier until you find your own tribe, you know, until you find your group of people that will make you feel included. And I know there are people that have trouble making friends but we all do. And I don't mean that in a judgmental way. And some people don't need friends, don't want friends. Maybe we're all becoming more and more like Frida Claxton on Golden Girls. You know, I know they all despised her and then celebrated when she died, but in a lot of ways, she had some good points. Got no use for people, never had. I get that. 
I get it a lot. It's kind of hard to fight with yourself necessarily, but I mean, we all do that too. We get inside our own heads, don't we? And that can be crazy enough too. But that's a lot of non-preaching preaching there, isn't it? Eh, Mary Fuckmas. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, that'll teach you for calling me a hoe. Gather round, boys and girls. Grab your blankets and popcorn and your Jack Daniels or vodka. Or maybe cheer wine or something. I don't know. Grab something to drink, okay? Get closer to the fire. I think it's time for a little Christmas story. No, now, now, you know me by now. We're not going to talk about Santa Claus or not even Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Even though I want to say it is awfully shitty how they all treated him. He was a total outcast. All they wanted to do was use that poor bitch. And look what happened. He becomes famous for one time helping Santa fly sleigh through the fog banks and snow, apparently. I guess the entire world was covered with it. I want to talk about the Krampus. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Krampus, but it is an alternative story to the regular Santa Claus story. It's almost like a karma version for the bad kids. Well, the Krampus, the story is probably based out of somewhere in Central Europe, possibly the Alps, Germany, Austria, that area. But the Krampus, if you don't know, is sort of like a, a devil-like character with cloven hooves for feet, the horns of a goat with fangs and crazy eyes, and a long pointed tongue. The Krampus is described as having brown or black hair and is much larger than a human, up to eight or nine feet tall. And let's be honest here, I'd probably date him. I mean. That description, God, that's fucking hot if you ask me. I'm just saying. Anyway, let me apologize. I said I was going to tell a story, didn't I? And it's coming off more like a history lesson, I guess. But you need to know about the Krampus. Just because it's kind of the opposite of Santa Claus or Saint Nick. So after giving you the description of what the Krampus was supposed to look like, let's talk about the origins of the Krampus. It's probably not a surprise that it originates from pagan supernatural beliefs that were very much part of Central Europe during the Roman Empire. There seemed to be some sort of festival that was held in honor of the Krampus around December 5th or 6th. It was basically called the Night of the Krampus, I believe. That celebration is older it predates Christianity. Krampus, the Night of the Krampus or Krampus Night, is a precursor to Santa Claus, Saint Nick, and presents. There's stories that villages in the Alpine area, they would, people would dress up as the Krampus, wander the streets of the town, and leave lumps of coal or bundles of birch, tree branches, to the children that were bad. And then someone dressed as St. Nicholas would subsequently come along and hand out presents to the good kids. 
And it really tr- is true that I think that you can look at the Krampus as kind of like an anti-Santa Claus. I believe it's called Krampusnacht, and it's still celebrated in the Alpines in Central Europe, and is like an annual national festival. I think it, it's somewhere in Ohio, there is a Krampus parade on December 5th, celebrating the virtues of a vengeful Santa Claus that goes into people's houses and takes the bad kids away in a sack for torturous punishment. And now that I think about it, sounds a little bit like Satan and hell, doesn't it? Hmm. Funny that. I'll just say this. I don't have any personal experience with the Krampus. Although, this year, to put myself in a better mood for the holiday, I did decide to decorate in a form of gothic style, lots of black and red and purple, and it did improve my mood. And Krampus, if you're listening out there somewhere, I am open to dating you, especially when you consider that long pointed tongue you're supposed to have, Jesus. You know, this segues pretty good into the Big Mouth Christmas story from the Janssen twins. Do you all watch Big Mouth? Oh my God, if you don't, you need to start watching it. It's hilarious. It's the filthiest show I've ever seen. But within the Big Mouth Christmas special, the Janssen twins share a story about Vader Johan. And apparently it really is based off of a a story out of Holland, a Dutch story. But it it is a pretty freaky story if you haven't heard it. And I'll try to paraphrase it as quickly as I can. I don't want any kind of copyright infringement here, but the way the Janssen twins tell the story is that on Christmas Eve, they decorate a Christmas tree, they drink salted eel milk, whatever that is, and they place painted eggs on the windowsill. As night falls, a bell is rung, I guess it's a church bell. You'll hear the tolling of the church bell, which warns you that Father Johan is coming. But apparently the bell actually awakens Vader Johan from the bottom of a river where he lives in a castle made of children's bones. He rides to the surface on a braid of like 40 eels and you can actually smell him before he arrives. And apparently the odor is of a combination of cod and black licorice. He has the body of a walrus, the sharp teeth of a dolphin, and the legs of countless crabs. He plays a flute made of children's bones. And it doesn't matter if you're naughty or nice because all bones taste the same to Father Johan. Your only hope is to trick Father Johan into believing that you're already dead and then you're not fresh and tasty anymore. You do this by sleeping in a child's coffin and that's when you pray to the mongoose king to protect the children's bones from the jaws of Vader Johan. And apparently, the Mongoose King and Vader Johan have a dance-off, a battle of dance. But the Mongoose King only comes if he's attracted to your eggs and eats them. Then he will challenge Vader Johan to the dance-off. And if the Mongoose King wins, then you're spared from the jaws of Vader Johan. But usually, no one survives. Father Johan. But when Missy, Matthew, and Jay asked the Janssen twins 
if the kids that Father Johan took were killed, all they would say is that the kids were doomed to live forever in the stomach of Father Johan. But we all know that means that they're dead. So there's your Christmas stories for this year. I don't know if you all have been seeing in the news what's happening in Russia, but you know, with Vladimir Putin's full control of the country, including the court system there, I think he's following the guidance of the American right wing and targeting the LGBTQIA community there, where he was able to get their Supreme Court to basically label the gay rights movement as a whole as an extremist group, as if gay rights activists are terrorists. And it was just a couple of weeks ago that police raided gay clubs in Moscow connected to what they called the LGBT movement. Club goers were briefly held and they basically made copies of their passports. It was during a raid on a Friday night, I believe. A lot of the people that were questioned and had their passports copied fear now that they're gonna be in prison for lengthy terms. According to the police, they said they were searching for drugs, but yeah, we all heard that bullshit before, haven't we? Those raids came just one day after the Supreme Court of Russia declared the LGBT public movement an extremist organization and banned its activities across the country. Apparently that ruling was prompted by some sort of motion from the Justice Ministry, although nobody knows exactly what that is because no organization like that exists in Russia. Well, where it comes from is Vladimir Putin. That's where it's coming from. So my thoughts are with our Russian brothers and sisters as they face even more trouble from a bigoted government that's teetering on fascism just like the right wing here in this country. And I do have a particular reason why I brought that topic up. It's amazing what the internet can provide you. I mean, my podcast goes to the entire world. Anyone who has access can listen to it. The site that is home to my podcast, I get to see the statistics of where people are downloading and or listening to it. And I have seen that there are people in Russia that are listening to this podcast. I get concerned. I worry about what could happen, but please, if there's a way that I can keep your hopes up and keep your hopes high, I am right here. I'm going to continue to broadcast and have fun and point out things like this that are happening around the world to make people aware of it and know that you've got people in this country that support you with all their heart. Stay strong. What happened in Moscow does remind me of something that happened here in the 90s at my favorite club. I was really enjoying going out on Fridays and Saturdays, just partying it up. I love flirting and I love the bartenders at the carousel. And I was really just getting another, a new feel for it. I really wasn't, I was new to it. I was, I was a rookie and it was all brand new and it was exciting and glamorous and colorful 
and it was people like me. So I was coming into my own. Then one night, I'm at the bar talking to the bartender. I hear a commotion and I look up and here comes a line of police officers with latex gloves and masks on. I look over at the bartender and I'm like, what is going on? And he just kind of rolled his eyes and he just and he just said, well, we're just getting our monthly raid from the police department. It really did shock me, but they were doing those things to intimidate gay people. They would never find anything. It was just to intimidate and bully people. Finally, with a change to a Democratic mayor, that shit stopped. I could tell a story on the Republican mayor that was kind of behind those raids, but I'll let that one go for now. But let's just say he had a secret. My brothers and sisters around the world who are facing this, these awful laws and this, this pressure and the intimidation, this is going to sound so cliched, but I do believe it gets better. It certainly has in this country. Now, I know, I know, there are efforts, very strong efforts, to take this country back to the 1960s. And I am worried about that, but I am very hopeful that this next election cycle will purge all of these right-wing lunatics, these fascists, and we'll be moving toward a more modern and peaceful an equal society in the United States. I'm not that hopeful about my home state of Tennessee, but with federal laws in place, we should be okay. You know, I think I've mentioned it before, the movie Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, in one of the scenes where Bernadette says, she talks about the cities, and she says, I don't know if that wall of suburbia is meant to keep them out or keep us safe inside. And I kind of believe that here in the South, all the cities, we don't have as many issues now with anti-gay rhetoric. It's always people from rural areas who tend to come in who want to provoke something. So even in red states, Bible Belt states, there are havens of protection for gay people. So I'm sitting here, bundled up with a blanket, sipping my drink, and I have a question. If you could have anything you want for Christmas, what would it be? I've been thinking about that for a while. The obvious answers would be Henry Cavill, the Mohawk Man, something like that. But in reality, what would you want? It's going to sound cheesy, but it would be great just to have peace, wouldn't it? Just to have everybody just, if not getting along, maybe just stop fighting. Could we do that? It would be so wonderful if we could. What a wonderful world it could be. But we're not there. So I guess I would have to wish for a billion dollars, an isolated amount of land to where I could wall myself off from the rest of the world and just have peace. That sounds, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? 
but it's the most complicated and complex word that you can imagine, that you can utter. Isn't that something? It's easier to make war than it is to make peace. I think I've blown my own mind here tonight. That's a bit profound, isn't it? Because if you try for peace, you're almost viewed as weak. But what about detente? What about mutually assured destruction? Why don't those things work in this world? Why isn't there a desire for people to have a long life? What do you prove by giving up your life for some cause that nobody else believes in? I don't understand that. I don't. I wish I could understand why we can't have peace. But hell's bells, we can't even get along with a next door neighbor, right? Humans, what are we going to do with them? I just don't know. If I can't have peace, the next thing I would wish for would be the end of sickness and disease. It would just be an incredible world where we didn't have to worry about cancer or COVID or AIDS or dementia, Alzheimer's, just all these horrendous conditions and diseases that take and destroy so many lives. Here in the United States, we don't have very good insurance coverage, so you can also wind up going bankrupt if you have a significant illness, even with insurance. I guess that there's so much money that can be made in the medical field. With privatization, it's gonna be hard for people to look past their greed and once again care about healing people. So if I can't have peace and I can't end sickness and disease, the next thing would be to end poverty. Oh my God, what if we all had enough to survive on? You didn't have to steal from anybody else. You didn't go hungry. You could enjoy a basic life without the fear of starvation, the fear of losing your home, not being able to afford shelter or transportation, all those things. Wouldn't it be wonderful? And I think that does lead to that second part would be to end world hunger. You know, we have the capability of doing that, but we're not doing it. We're not. I guess I'm wishing for things that are not obtainable, at least not in my lifetime. But I have hope that in the future, the world will come together. We will work as one. We won't be divided by religion, extremism, racism, sexism, homophobia, just so many things that divide us that maybe eventually they'll go away. There's nothing wrong with having hope, is there? I believe it's a good thing to have hope. But I'm also prepared. I have the passport ready. If we have to leave this country in a year or so, I am prepared to do it. I am absolutely prepared to leave this country. I am just not so sure that it will be worth fighting for if the wrong things happen this next election cycle. At some point, you give up and you go somewhere where you can just live your life and not worry about a government that's trying to get into your bedroom, 
get between your legs and decide that they know best for what you should be doing or how you should be living. Once again, I didn't want to get political tonight, but I think there's no way around it these days, especially in the United States with everything that could happen and could, and could go wrong. This is the time of year we're supposed to be hopeful and joyous. Maybe I'll get some Christmas dick. That would be joyous. That's well, joyous anytime, isn't it? I need some eggnog. Why didn't I get some? I don't spike my eggnog. I like eggnog without rum in it. I think it's really enjoyable. But dang, does it weigh heavy on your body. A lot of fat and sweet and carbs. But mm-mm-mm, does it not taste good? A friend of mine used to joke, it tastes like cum. And I'm like, whose cum is that? <laughs> and it sure as hell doesn't taste like pineapple. <laughs> Whoever come up with that joke was really good. But that probably only works on the first try. <laughs> Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, well, probably a good time in that situation. Just lay off the celery and the asparagus, okay? <laughs> Eat more strawberries. Eat more apples. Mm -hmm. I could use a shot of El Himador tequila right now. That'd be kind of nice. It would warm the cockles of my heart. Well, I believe it would. I do have a heart, I believe. I'm not sure. I'll have to have that checked when I go to the uh, doctor for my physical. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I don't think I get the finger up the butt this time, but you never know. Hey, it's more action than I've seen in a year, give or take. Well, that's a lie. Not a year. Um, a few weeks, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, one of the interesting things about doing the podcast, when we're in post-production doing the editing and stuff, I've noticed that I seem to have a speech impediment. It seems that I have this habit of putting heavy emphasis on the K sound in words. I am overemphasizing the cuz basically all the time. And I had never noticed that before in my regular talking, in my regular speech every day. I remember a friend of mine sort of teasing me by repeating the word with the emphasis on the cuz when I would say them, but I didn't really think about it till I heard my own voice in post-production. I was like, wow, where does that come from? Why do I feel the need to overemphasize the Ks? But hopefully as I get better and better at this, maybe I'll be able to control that a little bit better. I think we'll see, who knows? I'm just saying. Well, we're going to come to the close of this episode. I don't want to call it a Christmas episode because, well, you've been listening to all this. But I do want to take some time to thank all of you for listening and sending me the support that you've sent, the positive words. I want to say I love you. Ooh, I don't want to say that either. I just want to be a person that can bring a little bit of light and humor and maybe some thought-provoking ideas into your life. And I hope 
you've been enjoying it as much as you say you are. By the way, I haven't mentioned it, but we've actually passed the half year mark with Alan After Dark. We are in to the 27th week, or is it the 28th? I'll have to go back and check. But we are past the halfway mark of the first year for Alan After Dark, and we're still kicking. We're still keeping it real. And I hope to keep doing it for as long as I can, and as long as you guys keep listening, we'll, we'll stay on it. I don't think there's ever a time that we would run out of ideas and especially if it's stream of consciousness and you're just rambling anyway, as long as some of it makes sense, then boom, you're good to go, right? Right. <laughs> but I do hope that you have a wonderful holiday season. I hope you do the things you want to do. I hope you spend time with those you want to spend time with. And I hope you don't have stress and pain and worry. I hope that we as a world will someday find peace thank you for joining me for this episode of Alan After Dark I hope you've had fun I hope you've been entertained and I've kept you company remember take life by the balls and be real We'll see you soon.